Whole Man Academy. Because the world needs strong men. Whole Man Academy is changing the game for men around the world. It's for guys who want to live an epic life of fun and adventure, no matter what. We believe deep down, all men want to go on their own hero's journey to becoming resilient, confident, fearless, and fulfilled. Listening to be inspired by guys who don't settle for living a life of mediocrity. This is your call to action and call to adventure. Are you ready? Okay, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast, episode 117. My guest today is Adrian Scheel, all the way from Barcelona, digital entrepreneur, LinkedIn expert for coaches, lover of personal development. We're going to talk escaping the nine to five, applying optimization that he's learned into your life, social media, and plenty more. But let's start off with how are you doing? I'm great. And thank you so much, Anthony, for inviting me. It's an honor. Uh, I love what you're doing. And uh, if I can contribute in any way, then... Then I, then I want to, and that's why I'm here. It's, it's music to my ears, and I, I say that because, you know, I've written on LinkedIn and on, on, on other med social media platforms how my network has really expanded since I started doing the podcast. Um, and also, one of the things there is so many guys say, you know, if, if there's someone I can introduce you to or there's something I can help you with, which I always, I'm always happy to take help as opposed to go, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it all myself. But yeah. like yourself, we're going to talk about LinkedIn and how things like you, if you can expand your network, in theory, if they're the right people, that can really help. But tell me firstly, I mean, we'll jump back to, was it September 2015 and you quit your nine to five? Now, yes, I don't necessarily think, I'm not saying that everybody wants to or should quit nine to five, but I mm -hmm. certainly know a lot of guys who have thought they're in a certain role and they're like looking around thinking, is this it? So what were you doing and how did you get out of that? Because it's not an easy thing to do. No, it wasn't. And, uh, and I'm a latecomer to the party. So I was in my 40s then, almost in my mid 40s. I know I don't look it, but, but yep. I'm, actually, yeah. uh, I'm actually 51. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I've been in the corporate world forever since leaving school, you know, climbed the ladder, you know, humble boy from from Birmingham. Um, and I did what everyone thought they're supposed to do. I built a career, you know, I had ambitions I wanted to do well I actually had the opportunity to move to the US I lived in the US for five years and uh you know I just kept climbing the ladder basically and I got to a, a position I was actually um a product manager uh and I, I had a big team of, of people working for me all across I had this great job really well paid you know great bonus uh bonuses company BMW you know fly everywhere business class all that kind of stuff yeah and uh and I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. Yeah, I would yeah. wake up on a Monday morning and just struggle to get out of bed because uh, I, I couldn't face the, the drudgery of the week ahead. And um, and I felt guilty as well because I got this job that people coveted. You know, other people were envious of me, and yeah. uh, everyone was like, "Your job, you know, I want your job. Your job's so good, it's so easy." And what for me, it was easy. I could do it with my eyes closed, but it was it was awful because I was just so unfulfilled. And, um, you know, I, I just knew I was supposed to be doing something else. And I knew I wanted to, you know, I was really clear that I wanted my own business. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to help people and I wanted to do something online so I could have the freedom, you know. But I didn't know what. And um, 
Yeah, that's that, that's actually when I discovered coaching and mentoring. And, you know, I was, I was always a fan of personal development, but it kind of, it was a secondary thing for me, but it really shifted to the, the forefront of my life. And, and it wasn't until I started working with mentors, you know, so basically I got a big redundancy package from the company I was working from. And it gave me a buffer, but actually it gives you a false sense of security. It gives you this safety blanket that yes. that actually keeps you in your comfort zone. And I pretty much, you know, I, I had more than a year's salary and I pretty much squandered that year's salary just messing around. <laughs> I've trying to figure so out. So many people, or guys say the same, because like you say, it's like there's no urgency because it's like yeah. I've got month's salary, I'll get on with stuff. Yeah, and it's in a way it was... was yeah, it was one of the worst things I could have done, you know, getting that payout. But anyway, it's all good. But it wasn't until that money started to run out and I realized, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to find someone to help me. So I, you know, that's when it that's when it all changed. So I hired, you know, I, I found mentors, I hired coaches, I figured out what it was I wanted to do. And yeah, the, the rest is kind of history. It's such an interesting story because a lot of what, you, I mean, especially the, um, the redundancy giving you the buffer which is good because then you know you're not without money but like you say it gives you that kind of security blanket I know what that's yeah. like um, you know I've been made redundant twice and been very lucky both times to get a good payoff but I've spoke to plenty of other guys who've said the same that yeah. you know it's that kind of if you quit your job and you had to start creating money and in theory by positively impacting people as soon as possible you take massive action but it's quite yeah. easy to be like I'll ease myself in um, yes, and also I wondered within that time, having that lack of kind of purpose when you've not got anybody to tell you what to do, what time to get up, where to be, what to do. What was that like? It was a really big shock to my system, and you know, I, I took a I actually took a contract in South Korea for three months, like working in a similar field to where I was. So that were that sort of took the 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 force out of the blow a little bit. But when that finished, yeah, I was like okay now what <laughs> you know what do I do now and uh so you know I'd get up I'd still get dressed for work I'd you know because I was in the corporate world I still put you know a nice shirt on and yep. just make myself feel like I was working but then I sit down at my computer and be like what the <laughs> do I do now yeah so uh yeah it was it was a real shock to my system and it was yeah it was, it was actually quite a tough year because um not having a purpose and not really knowing what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Yeah, I was floating in space a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It, I mean, I would say that I've seen, I spoke to guys that felt like it kind of is a quiet drain on you because you, you kind of, you, know, you want to feel like you're making progress, moving ahead and what have you. And yeah. it is very hard to snap out of it. I always laugh when I got made redundant for the second time when I was leaving the city, you know, and I, and I wanted to be, so it all went quite perfectly. But I used to get up at half five with Emma to walk her to the station because she still worked. And yeah. I'd walk her to the station and then I'd walk, turn around and walk home. And I'd get in the door at six o'clock in the morning. And then you'd be like, it'd be pitch black, like, what do I do now? Because yeah. I was so used to 20 years of the markets open at seven, speak to clients, pick the phones up, Yahoo people, read this, do that. And suddenly it was like, uh, it's just you. And you're like, I'm not sure about this. So how would you bring that back to the current day and we're going to get onto the kind of the LinkedIn and coaching side but so many guys have been affected by lockdowns etc cetera, etc cetera, and some being forced to work from home so how have you now managed to become 
you know, more focused and productive, like just day to day when you're sitting at your desk. Because again, when you haven't got anybody else kind of, I'm not say you should have people standing over you, but it helps when you've got other people around you to kind of get yeah. on with well, I had, I had a little bit of a head start with that because I used to work from home a lot anyway before before I you know got made redundant. Yeah. So I had a little bit of practice, but of course I always had someone else's agenda to follow. But you're right when you have your own agenda, it is it requires a lot of self discipline, and it's just something. Yeah, I mean I've had to build it over time, and personal development has helped with that. You know, really okay, figuring out who I am, what I want to do, where I want to go. You know, you have to keep that front and center and, and keep moving towards it. And, yeah, you know, now, uh, you know, I'd say I work harder now than I did when I was in the corporate world, but it doesn't feel like work most of the time. You know, it feel, I'm just having fun. I'm doing what I want to do on my terms. So, you know, freedom. Oh God, yeah, and when and when you're creating stuff, you know, I'm, I'm building, uh, you know, building things at the moment, making content. It's just it doesn't feel like work. It's fun. It's energizing. Uh, obviously, when I'm you know doing the finances at the end of the month, that's not so much fun. But um, that I consider that part work, but I don't consider the rest of it work. You know, when I'm working with clients and and doing this kind of thing and meeting new people and networking, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's priceless feeling, I think, too. I know there's the old saying, or well, I'll get it wrong, but, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing and it's your work, you'll never work a day again. But I, I'm the same. I, you know, last night I was sitting up till 10 o'clock uh, yeah. finishing stuff off, but it's not like I'm like, oh, I've got to go. I'm like, hey, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Whereas yeah. before, it, you know, I loved it for many years, but after a while it became painful. And I've spoke to enough guys on the podcast who have had those, you know, it's not saying they always hated their job, but maybe they got to a stage, like you say, you got, is this it? Um, yeah. But one of the things that, you know, lockdowns and in this last two years, I think, I think have driven a lot of people to realise is that having some kind of digital, sorry, ability to earn money online, you know, and, and I, I don't necessarily like the term, you know, passive income because there's, there's a shitload of work you do beforehand. Yeah. A lot of guys are interested in doing that kind of stuff. And you obviously say like a digital entrepreneur. So, what is digital entrepreneur for you and how would a guy be able to kind of implement it? Well, I think I did it. Um, I, I put the, the cart before the horse. So what my journey was, you know, I cut all ties from the corporate world. I was, but I, I actually think that was a mistake. And, and I'm kind of, uh, you know, it's great because I've learned along the way. But what I did was I moved into the, you know, the high ticket world uh, straight away. So I focused on creating a high ticket offer, you know, for several thousand dollars and working on that and really slogging out to, you know, build this funnel and this thing where, yeah, you know, people get enrolled and you get them on a call and you have to learn how to do sales. You know, I'm, my background is not sales, so it, it's really painful for me to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was, I, I caused myself quite a lot of pain by doing that. But, you know, I, I was successful. I built, I built two businesses now that are successful doing that. But I realized by just, I, I just looked around and, you know, I found people like, I know we, we're both fans of um, Justin Welsh. Mm, he's and I saw, yeah. Yeah, I saw what he was doing and he did it the other way. He eased himself in with a you know low ticket and he focused on content and building his audience and then you know having a big enough audience that they're interested in buying something from you. So if I was going to give 
give some advice to someone you know who's still in a job maybe and thinking either about starting their own business or just having a side hustle i would do it i would do what i'm doing now which is focusing on uh building a bigger following and uh just figuring out okay what what knowledge do i have that can be beneficial to other people that's going to help someone and then who is that someone you know find out what your niche is uh who you can help and then figure out what knowledge you can provide to them and even if you just go on something like gumroad and sort of ten dollar product like getting started and doing something mm. that's that's what i would do if i if i had to do it all again yeah i'd probably keep working work on a side hustle because what and what i found is when you when you do something like this when you're working on something that you that is fun and energizing it actually spills into other areas of your life and you become more productive at work you become more you know so that that would be my advice anyone who's thinking of of making a big change and perhaps getting out of the corporate world yeah. that's the way yeah. i would do it yeah you said something really important there i know there's always different thoughts uh, on how people should you know if they if they're looking to leave their nine to five but i'm a very big one for if you can keep your nine to five which pays as long as you can just cover your bills you know it doesn't have to provide you with a yeah. lavish lifestyle or if you can go and get if you hate what you do then maybe you do need to leave but go and get a job that just covers the baseline of bills whilst yeah. you work on everything else as opposed to saying shove it to your your boss walk out and then go Right, making money online, and then you realise it's not as easy as people yeah. would out. Other people will tell you otherwise, but they're like to, and some people have that kind of personality when they, you know, my my co-founder in my other business in high performing coach is like that. He's the kind of person that they can say, "Up yours, I'm going to do this tomorrow," and he'll do it. You know, he will. He's such a performance focused. You know, but he's in an he's he's so rare that that's right. such a rare breed. But most of us aren't like that, and we need to figure shit out and yeah. you know take it step by step. So, yeah, I think for the majority of people, uh, do it your way. <laughs> yeah, that's it's definitely. I know I see some guys who again will either be on our email list and will ask me advice, and I would say I'm no expert. I've I've got years of experience in what to do, not to do. I'm, <laughs> And I'm trying to get around more guys like yourself who just give you, sometimes it's simple stuff that you need to just be like, right, I'm focusing on this instead of trying to do all this different stuff. But I wondered if you, with the personal development world in general, because I didn't get into it basically, which sounds pathetic until I was about 35 and I started listening to podcasts and then I started listening to, um, you know, like Tony Robbins and people like that. And always an, an, yeah. an obvious name that comes up. But I look back and I'm like, where would I be now if I'd have started listening when I was 20, you know, or in my thir in my early 30s? And I've met guys who are, you know, 20 years old and they're already taken, you know, a lot of thoughts and ideas from these people. And I'm like, that's where the money is. And when I say money, I mean in development in yourself as much as the proper yeah. you know, actual currency wide. But yeah. at what point did you get into it? And who were the people that you looked up to at that point? Uh I mean, you know, I've always, I've read books and always sort of, like I said, had a loose interest in personal development and, you know, more, more, I guess, focused on, on management, you know, what I was doing back then. But honestly, it wasn't until, you know, you say you're a late camera at 35. I was 44 when I really realized, hang on a minute, 
if I'm going to get anywhere in life, and I don't mean financially, I just mean if I'm going to feel, you know, and don't get me wrong, I've done so much in my life, I've traveled, I've had, been really fortunate, yeah. but something was missing. And if I'm going to find that thing, and I'm really going to be able to look back on my life one day and say, that was a life well lived, then I need, to, I need something more because the tools I've got aren't working. And yeah, you know, people like Tony Robbins and, you know, uh, discovering landmark and discovering meditation through various people, you know, following a lot of what mind Valley do. I know that's a bit more woo woo, but yeah, just yeah. bringing all this stuff together and, and really, uh, you know, focusing and, 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 and learning about myself, about life, about what's actually possible. Yes, um, yes. And, and, and I didn't do that till I was, I was 44 and you know, that, that's the thing that's made the difference for me. It's the thing that has uh, made it possible for me to to be where I am now, to be you know, successful. How you determine, uh, how you want to define success? But um, well, you, and you I think said, you said the age of like, so let's say forty four. Um, I assume you know, or do you know who Daniel Priestley is? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> he's actually in my other business. We, okay. he's our coach we actually hire him as our sort of one-to-one -one coach okay so i interviewed daniel uh god i don't know about 100 episodes ago or something like that you know and yeah i think it's where well, you end up being awesome. on, on for about hour 45 or something like that yeah uh, and then i went to one of his events and anyway so i've always was that the key person of influence uh event yeah it was it was one of their kind of one day seminars and then i went to the the uh round table mastermind thing he was doing and i yeah. and i've learned to um you know if you if you want to go after someone and learn from them you want to just not follow them but get around them so i basically hung around to the end then me and him got in the lift together walked to the station together and had some little ideas on things but i remember him yeah. saying you know most kind of is it you know most people don't start their businesses on average till they're like early 40s or something like that yeah. which yeah. gives the average guy that's listening to this i would guess average age is probably about 40 it gives yep. you hope that it's like oh it's not you see 20 year olds that are doing this super cool stuff online with lots of followers and you're like yes but for lo lots of guys starting at wherever you are now is just as good yeah and, and what what people don't realize is when you start at that age you know past 40 First of all, generally you've got a big professional network and a lot of people that actually already have trust in you. Yeah. And uh, just just through being older, you you have more authority, you have more credibility because you have more life experience. And uh, yeah, it, it's never too late. It's never too late. And uh, you know, thank God, or I'd still be stuck in a, a job that I hated. <laughs> and doesn't that no? Again, I know what that's like. You know what that's like, and I know lots of guys that that have that, and it just gives them hope that it's not easy to go off and find the other thing. You know, I've plenty of people that told me uh, you're mad for doing it, and you won't earn as much money, or you won't do this and that. And I'm like, listen, it doesn't. You know, money's important to one level because you've got bills to pay, but ultimately, yeah. when you're sitting there for ten hours a day, going, I don't want to be here. You're never going to get those ten hours, or you know, yeah. years uh, back. That's a third of your life that you're mm. wasting. Yeah. yeah, which which I think should be a wake up call for people. But I wondered for you, I mean, the whole man academy is big on getting guys together to talk, and you know, hence why we create the podcast so that guys can listen to others. But who have you kind of talked to through the years? Um, you know, that you're certainly, I mean, like let's call it sometimes we say either father or father figure, or just mentors, or just friends, or what's going to work for you? 
Uh, so I've, yeah, I mean, I've, I've hired various different coaches. Um, and I think for me, it was just, just finding the, 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 the right person at the right time. So, you know, I, I, I haven't necessarily hired any big name coaches except for, you know, except for Daniel Priestley, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I worked with a guy called Peter Sage way back when. Uh, uh yes. Peter Sage. I wrote to him in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's, he's actually uh, yeah. I know I know him pretty well. Uh, I worked with Peter for a while. They're probably the, the two well known names that I've worked with. Yes. But you know, just even um, just like when I first realised that I, I needed to learn digital marketing inside out, I just hired the 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 person that I could see was you know three or four steps ahead of me, who I knew who I knew was getting results, and I just paid him three grand and said teach me everything you know and I, I've kind of done that I've always just found like who, who who's around me and ahead of me and is in reach uh and now you know uh right now unofficially Justin Welsh is my kind of mentor he's the person I'm, I'm learning off most yeah uh, and a couple of others but you know I tend to do that and and um yeah so I, I just kind of look for who, who can I see and who's who's close by, who's attainable, who can I get to, to guide me, whether I pay them or not, it doesn't really matter. But Well, you, you know. said something important there, you know, giving someone, if you can afford it, a few thousand pounds. I would say that's firstly where I probably made mistakes early on because you kind of think, oh, I'll do it all myself. And then you realise you could have, you know, folded time and massively increased yeah. your, by, by kind of, I want to say throwing money at a problem, but, you know, trying to solve it. Um, but that kind of led me on to, with LinkedIn, because like you say, with someone like Justin Welsh, you were going to come on to as well. But when I was reading your content, it was in it, like in a great way, it was simple and effective. And it was just telling to do kind of one thing at a time instead of trying to do everything. Um, so yeah. talk about your relationship with LinkedIn, because at what point did you realize, and we'll come on to the numbers that you and I talked about the other day, but at what point did you realize what a powerful tool it could be? So, um, I, when, when was it? It was 2000, I think it was late 2017 or was it 18? I can't remember. A few years ago, um, we were starting, I'd met uh, my business partner then, Max, and we were, we actually had an agency. We were doing digital marketing for coaches and we, a few different niches actually. But we decided, well, we realized that done for you digital marketing for coaches was really a struggle because most people that were hiring us wanted to pay for a problem to go away and they right. didn't want to be involved. And any business, you have to be, you know, especially when you're a solopreneur and it's about you, you've got to be involved in your marketing. Yeah. It's it's half of your business is your marketing. Yeah. So and people were paying us to just take it away. So we were obviously struggling to get them results because trying to drag them into back into their own marketing. So we decided, look, the way to go here is to teach people how to how to be involved in their own marketing, teach people how to do this. And then maybe on the back of that, we'll get clients who, who get that and we can work a, a better way with them. Mm. Um, so we decided we were going to create a program to, to do this. And, you know, we figured all that stuff out. We took courses, hired, you know, who we needed to hire to, to figure it out. Um, and we realized we we wanted a coach, we wanted a mindset coach to work with us as well, because you know, we've already said so, so much of business is about mindset. And if you don't have that personal development base, it's really tough to be successful in business. And um, 
And then we met Ryan, who was actually a client of ours, and he had the same idea. He wanted to start a business and he needed people who knew the digital marketing side. So we did, we cut a long story short, we set up a business called High Performing Coach. Yeah. And it was to help coaches, specifically life coaches, to grow, to turn their hobby of coaching, which it is for most coaches, yeah. into an actual business, how to get the business off the ground. And um, you know, we knew all this, we knew what to do, we knew how to do Facebook ads, build a webinar and everything. But for that particular niche, and we've done it so many times before, but for that particular niche and using Ryan as the face of the business because he was a coach, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we fell flat on our faces. We got some results, but yeah. not big enough results to feed three mouths and you know build our business quickly. Yeah, and live well. And live well, yeah. <laughs> And we were like, shit, we need to get back to the drawing board here. So we're like, okay, what's the quickest way to get people interested in what we're doing? And um, well, the quickest way is to go and bang on doors and tell people what we're doing. So we figured out, well, let's look at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, you know, a lot of coaches are on LinkedIn and a lot of the planets on LinkedIn, actually. So let's just go and have a look. So we got on LinkedIn. We started connecting with people. Um, just getting into conversations and inviting them to have calls, mm. you know, like turning that into a sales call. And straight away, we started getting results. And I was like, wow, this yeah. is incredible. LinkedIn is a gold mine. And within, I don't know how many months it was, but so there was, there was the three of us as co-founders. We hired one VA just to help us with the volume of stuff we were doing. Yeah. Um, I figured out how to systematize all that. Um, and I completely fell in love with LinkedIn on the way. And uh, we were we started hitting $100,000 a month with just three of us and one nice. VA. So yeah. I was like, yeah. there's really something in this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was kind of where I realized how powerful LinkedIn is, you know. And it's I love it for many different reasons, you know, not least that reason, but also because the level of conversation, level of, you know, I know you still get some crap in your newsfeed if you, you know, if you want to follow the wrong people, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, the the conversation happening on LinkedIn is just way more intelligent, way mm. more you know useful and beneficial. And I know you still get fake news, you still get the normal negative news on there, but you, um, can, you, just, you can filter that out if you want to, can't you? And yeah, then... exactly. You you choose who you follow, and yeah, you know, yeah. um, you get you get the stuff in in the newsfeed that you actually want to see. Isn't that, I mean, you know, we we talk a lot about social media because, again, guys like us, I'm, I'm 44 now. I didn't grow up with social media like you didn't. So thank God, because fuck knows what it had been like for me in my 20s. And especially, you know, I was thinking on nights out with some of the stupid stuff you did and that someone could whip a phone out and video you and then broadcast it to the world. That would yeah. not have been, no, that's, <laughs> isn't Game over. that's it. it's not an attractive thought for me. But what I, you know, very quickly realized with LinkedIn was, like you say, you're going to get numpties on there like you do anywhere with their sad yeah. selfies and cat videos and what have you. Yeah. The difference on there, what I've seen between like LinkedIn to Instagram or Facebook is, I just don't like Facebook at all now. I mean, I hardly used it, but years ago, it's just like it just, it's it's in the background. Mm. But we seem to build up, not a big following, but have a good core of guys on Instagram. But my frustration was it is so, you know, it was made for pictures, not words. Yeah. And for me... I don't want to be taking 
loads of selfies of myself, uh, you know, fine to share pictures of you so people kind of like you, resonate with you, etc. But I like trying to write about things. And Instagram, I just don't think people even read the posts. People go, like, yeah. next, like, next. Yeah. And the psychology behind that, I know there is, as, as I've read from your stuff, but what I saw on LinkedIn is that I really enjoy reading and learning from guys like yourself and Justin, et cetera, that you, I just don't get on, on, uh, on like Instagram. Yeah. 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 I, I like to think of LinkedIn as you know, the thinking man's social media platform. Mm. And it's funny because LinkedIn tried to introduce video in a big way, uh, probably 2019, 2020, even 21, but they've just realized that people don't really want to watch video on LinkedIn. And you'll remember that the average LinkedIn user is probably at work. Yeah. So if they, if they get, you know, if they're on LinkedIn, yeah. So if they, if they put a video on the sound comes on their boss, <laughs> yeah. so people, but whereas if they just have their phone there and they can read through stuff, it's, it's more, yeah, it, yeah. it works yeah. better. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I love writing as well. I love writing and, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of selfies. And I, although I have found, I published this terrible photo of me, you know, thinking and stressed out and, and that got so much traction on LinkedIn. I was really surprised. So it's kind of, I tell you what, it's kind of sad, isn't it? And I saw, a, um, I'm trying to think what the, what the uh, channel is on YouTube, where they talk about like the school of truth or something like that. And yeah. one of them was a great example of a girl who, has got like a chart and she's looking in the mirror and she's like, I can share about, you know, let's say personal development and mindset meditation and I'll get three likes. If I share this, I'll get ever. But if I just twerk on camera with my ass out and my boobs out, I get all this. And that's the sad thing, isn't it? Is that you're like, you can put outstanding content out, but yeah. a lot of people are so kind of drawn to the jazz hand stuff, uh, yeah. and the slightly more sordid or seedier stuff that you like, you go, Sometimes you can share some great stuff and then you put a picture of you just going like that. And you go, I've got 20% 20, 20 more likes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's a sad truth, you know. Mm. <laughs> so I think there has to be, you know, you have to find a balance of how much of the, the jazz hand stuff you use and how much genuinely, you know, yeah. useful content you're putting out there. But if you think about it, um, so my kids are on TikTok, right? Biggest mistake I ever made. Yeah. them go on TikTok, but they're on TikTok. How old so are you? Uh, my son is 13 and my daughter's 11. Right. So, so I have a TikTok account to keep an eye on them, but of course you end up getting drawn in. Right. And I, I, I don't know, Hey, I don't know where this comes from disclaimer, but I always seem to end up with these twerking girls. In my, yeah. in my somehow, right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm asking my daughter, why does this keep happening? And she's like, are you liking that stuff? Yeah. It's algorithms. Oh. They know. <laughs> I'm not liking anything. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do like it, but I'm not liking it yes. uh so if you imagine you know someone on tiktok for example if they're scrolling through and seeing all these working girls and then they come across something you know from me telling them how to do something on linkedin they're probably going to scroll straight past because they're in that mode of you know it's so like you've got to find a way and, and tiktok's an extreme example but you've got to find a way to 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 break their pattern yeah uh you know to stop that stop the scroll basically and it, it, it could be anything but when you're competing with twerking girls, it's not easy. Well, you so it's always funny sometimes because I'll write a kind of a list of things that you know, bullet points of what I want to talk about, and and it so often happens where the guy will mention something that is linked to to what I'm just going to talk about. But you said about stopping scrolling, and that's where it becomes an art form because, again, I always think now, 
you know, you can create the best products in the world, but if no one knows about them because you don't know how to explain how good they are and why someone should, you know, spend their hard-earned money on them and spend their time on them, then it's a waste of time. So how much yeah. of that have you learned about? Because is the psychology of what you're writing and how you're writing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, my my strategy is always to provide value and let build authority over time, you know, let people see that you actually know what you're talking about. And then, uh, so I, I always have, everything I do is a call to action, more or less. So if I put a, a short post on LinkedIn, normally there'll be a call to action to say, hey, if you want to know more about this topic, click here. So then they click here, and then they go to a longer piece of content. So when someone, the psychology behind it is, is when somebody is spending more time consuming your content or anything that you do, it might be reading, it might be watching a video of you or opening an email. Yeah. There's a statistic, actually, I got this from Dan Priestley, that if someone uh, consumes seven hours of your content on at least 11 different occasions across four different media, then they switch, yeah, yeah, this is Dan Priestley. <laughs> they switch from being an acquaintance to actually being a friend in their minds. Okay. So the more you can get people to absorb and consume and just see you as the go-to person, yeah. the more yeah. they're going to trust you in the end. And that's always been my strategy with content is just give people value, show them that I know what I'm talking about. I'm the go-to person you know, for what they need. Mm. Of course, my niche is very focused. It's coaches, consultants. Uh, generally uh, and, and eventually yeah they just want to work with you somehow or other whether it's buying a digital product or one-to-one -one coaching or you know yeah whatever it is I've heard funny I heard a term a while ago which I'd I'd not heard expressed how can put it out loud before but one of the guys I was working with had been following someone else and he said I really like this stuff I want to give them some money like I want to spend some money with these guys and I realize now you need to give people the opportunity to because if yeah. someone like for you, now they can look at your stuff and be like, hey, this guy's got some really shit hot stuff he's talking about. Uh, what, what has he got available? Oh, he's got a course on optimizing or whatever it is, you know, or he can work one-to-one. -one. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And yeah. that's where I probably was in the city, not necessarily with the high ticket stuff, but I was buying courses left, right and center and books and actually doing them. But I, I always think guys don't realize what a mountain of uh, knowledge they're sitting on these days and how you can tie that up, you know, into some kind of digital uh, money, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely, and and everyone, ha everybody has a subject that they are an absolute expert in, whether they realise it or not. And and even if there are bigger, better experts than them, it doesn't matter because you only have to be one or two steps ahead of your audience to be considered an expert by them. That's yeah. the that's the just to the help solve a problem or something. Yeah, if you can just help solve solve some small problem for someone somewhere, yeah. you know who that person is, you know who to go after, then you have a product, you have something to offer, you can, you can make money. Isn't that important to know? Because then once you've got, you know, you don't have to have all the answers, like you say. It's like, even if you can have that idea in your head of I've got this product, then it's like now I can go to people or buy courses and get them to, I mean, you can pay people to do that stuff for you. Yeah. Um, but, but let's go on to the numbers, because this is why we spoke on one of the posts the other day. Um, and you'd said there's like 800, you know, roughly 850 million users on LinkedIn. And I said, wow, you know, half of that, assuming is men, therefore, there's a lot of customers or, and guys you can impact. And you said, actually, it was more like 57% men. 
Therefore, yeah. that came out at 484,500,000. So I've learned not to. There's nothing wrong with thinking big, but sometimes to be more realistic, I realized that if, I, if I, my target was to just impact half a percent of those men, that would still be 2,422,500, which would be yeah. more than enough people to uh, fill my bank account, make great um, events with guys coming to and create impact. So just one yeah. of those people go, I'm going to reach all these people go, what about if you said, I'm going to try and uh, reach your impact half a percent of all the men on LinkedIn. Uh, it feels a lot more doable and less pressure than everybody. Yeah. So yeah. how about yourself? Because I mean, there are a lot of customers around, but I know there's lurkers and then there's people that are actually going to spend money and do what you suggest. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, my niche right now. So I, I, I work with coaches and consultants. Um, and part of the reason for that is because, you know, I, I kind of want to pay it back because coaching has got me to where I am mm. you know, from, from being coached. So I want to help coaches, you know, get get to their goals. Um, and right, you know, that's right now. But I'm also kind of passionate, like you are, about just helping people. You know, whether it's quit their nine to five. I mean, for me, it is quit their nine to five. Yeah. Uh, and 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 doing something different. So I don't know if there's something there in the future for me to go down that road or not. But even if I stick with coaches, it's there's a million of them just on LinkedIn. Yes. And nuts, isn't it? You know, I don't, you know, I have um a digital product that's, you know, it's I'm just finishing it off now. It will cost a couple of hundred dollars. Yep. If I just sell, you know, 10 of those per month, there's it's two thousand dollars for doing nothing. Mm. And it is so easy to sell 10 of something a month to you know, I already have, uh, I think I have about 21 and a half thousand followers on LinkedIn. Yeah. I just realized I have about 10,000, oh, no, 15,000 on Facebook as well. I never use Facebook. I never, ever use Facebook, but somehow I got 15,000 followers. I didn't realize. Yeah. So I've got a lot of, you know, a big audience to market to, uh, something that's very affordable, a couple of hundred dollars for a product, you know. It, and so it's very easy for me to just make a, a comfortable living doing something that, that I love without you know like you said earlier a lot of work goes into creating something like that but now that it's created you know it's on autopilot and there's nothing more satisfying than waking up in the morning just looking at Stripe and seeing that you've made like three or four hundred dollars while you're sleeping yes. um, which is great that's a feeling that maybe everybody should have I've just wiped my whiteboard which I've got a big whiteboard behind my um in my office but yeah. up there at the time I had, I think it's the, it's the 27th of July, 2021, which is the first morning I ever woke up and I'd sold a online course and, you know, $97 had been put into my Stripe or PayPal or I hate PayPal, but anyway, um, yeah. PayPal account. And it's like, sometimes, you know, I've read different guys that have said, once that happens, it gives you the belief that you're like, okay, I've done, I'm doing something right. How can I optimize it, scale it and, and, and improve it? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny because I have a high ticket offer for several thousand dollars where people pay me and a lot of work goes into creating clients. And then I have this uh, program that isn't finished, by the way, and I've sold, you know, like 30 or 40 of them now for something that doesn't even exist yet. Yeah, I love it. But And I'm selling it for half price for $100. And I get more of a kick out of seeing those $100 come in on their own than I do out of, you know, enrolling someone into my program for several thousand dollars because yeah. it's like, it's just, it, it's, 
because I can see that that's something that can build and and you know run on its own and yeah. and yeah generate what is now passive income. I tell you what, I mean, I, I think for so many guys, again, they don't realize how it, it's not that it's simple to do, but it's easy to get started on. Is you know any kind of online course which can generate some income coming in, and again, it doesn't have to be little amounts; it could be big amounts depending on what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've got. Um, I'm in a, we call it mastermind because for want of better, a group of guys who, who are all, I mean, certainly they're all ahead of me in a digital course world. But one of the big things we talk about is the completion rate of your courses and how frustrating it can be that people will spend money on these things and they just don't do any of it. And yeah. it just reminds you sometimes that you can put blood, sweat, tears and any other bodily fluids you want into creating these <laughs> courses and someone will spunk, for want of a better word, but will spunk thousands on it. And guess what? And like, look at the intro and then be like, oh, I'm going to watch Love Island now and not do anything or watch the football or something. Yeah. And that reminds you that you're like, you know, you can, you can create all this stuff, but sometimes you won't, you can't decide on the impact it will have because some people just won't bother with it. Yeah. And you got to let go of that because, mm. uh, you know, I mean, it's different in, a, in my program because a lot of it's live coaching and group calls and stuff. But still, when I look at, and I'm telling them, you know, you've got to do this this week. But when I go and look at what they've done, yeah, few of them do more than fifty percent of the of the online training. It's it's an online, but they're getting results. You know, so okay, something's working. Yeah, but yeah. but yeah, of the the purely digital products, I'm expecting yeah, maybe ten twenty percent of people will actually, you know, yeah. make it to the end and and do stuff. But that's it's it's human nature, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can you can take a horse of water, but you can't make it drink. Well, I was wondering. I'd say for you because I know I have bought courses and not done them. I spent five grand or six grand. I can't even remember on a course uh, when I left the city, and I realised I didn't have anything like it was about creating a digital online kind of you know uh, what do you want to call it like product and what have you. But I didn't really have the idea of what I was going to niche in. So I basically like worked through the course yeah. without really knowing what I was focusing on, and then never logged in again. Which my partner yeah. obviously never let me forget to stay on because it, you know, <laughs> that was back when five or six grand was a lot of money and it wasn't just a tank of petrol. Um, yeah. <laughs> have you ever done that where you've bought you've bought books or you've bought courses and then you're like, I haven't actually done anything? Yeah, yeah. Because in that in that moment, with all good intentions, like yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You do it. Yeah. But yeah. then you know things change. Life happens. Whatever. But yeah, I think everybody. Well, I, I I've certainly done that. Yeah, more than once. I've got. In fact, I've paid for things I probably haven't even logged into once. Maybe I maybe <laughs> have logged into once a couple of times, uh, which is rather embarrassing. But yeah, but yeah, nice. it's it is amazing, and it just so with our energy protocol course, I think I, I remember looking the first seventy people that bought it. We had a completion rate of uh about 35 percent or something like, on well, that's average, good that's really good which i didn't have a clue and i was pissed off because i was like why the fuck aren't these people working through it all or these guys <laughs> yeah, and then the guys would be like <laughs> and you know some of their courses that were saying to thousands and thousands and thousands of people were getting like five percent completion rate or something so yeah. here's what i did sometimes i'd see the guys that completed the whole lot and because i wasn't selling it at scale it's not like there was millions of them and i'd actually emailed someone hey just want to give you like doff my cap to you and say well done for completing it because most people can't be asked um but let's talk about just quickly on tech because i know you're you're i'm rubbish with tech you're good at tech 
how have you found it with creating a digital course? Because I think that's where a lot of people get kind of a bit flustered with like, I've got all these systems and what have you. What have you found? Um, so, so for me, the hard, the hardest part is the creation of you know, doing the, the videos and stuff. And yeah, that's really the, 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 the hardest bit. And, you know, then editing the videos and all that stuff. But the actual platform to, to deliver stuff, I find that really, really easy. So it's not the bottleneck for me. But um, but I think <clears throat> just keeping it simple, you know, not not people like, and, I, and I've been guilty of this, you know, oh, I haven't got the right lighting in my office or I haven't got the, you know, I don't have a camera. And, but you don't need all that shit. People don't care about, you know, high level production. People care about, is this, uh, what's the benefit of this to me? And they don't care as long as the sound is good and they can hear what you're saying. Yeah. So I have this, you know, and even this mic is only, I don't know, it cost me like 60 euros or something. Um, and that's about the most expensive thing I've bought. Uh, <laughs> I use my, I figured out now that I can use my phone as a camera, which is a bit better than this FaceTime camera. But I think, uh, yeah, just keeping it simple and not trying to do anything too flashy. And, and now, so a lot of my my module, you know, my training lessons are screen sharing. So I just use Loom, which is like $10 a month. It's yeah. an online, you know, screen recording thing. It has my little face in the corner. It's not great, but it's sufficient. Yeah. And uh, I'm so much more productive when I keep it simple, you know, because I'm not worrying about everything being perfect. And that, yeah, that's that's made a huge difference. But the, the, the hardest part, uh, I find is yeah actually just get to doing it and and just you know getting and doing the content like take all the 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 barriers and restrictions and the obstacles away just make it simple as you can and then just do it. Do you find that and and I I know the answer to this myself is because I'm guessing primarily you work on your own at home. Do you think yeah. you'd be more productive if you worked in an office with let's just say ten other guys but you had a room to go into? That because you'd kind of, I know you, you have more. Is it accountability, or maybe there's different energy? Or I wondered what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, oh, sorry about that. Uh, I think it's uh, the true. Sorry, is, uh, that is me, right? Apparently, okay. I've got something coming up. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd silenced my reminders, but apparently not. Um, I, I think a combination of both, because you know, I, I definitely. So I'm an ambivert. Right. So I can sometimes be introverted and sometimes extroverted, which serves me well, because when I'm trying to focus, I just shut myself off from the world and, and get shit done. But I also get energy off of other people, especially the, you know, if it, obviously the right people. You don't want to be hanging around negative people. But um, but yeah, it makes a big difference to have a team around you. And I, I've you know, when I was I mean, I'm working on my own in the Linkless Coach project, but I still have a kind of a team in the other business if I need to pull on anyone. Yeah. to to help um and but it, it yeah i i really made traction when i got myself a business partner and just had someone else to bounce ideas off and yeah not necessarily being in the same room as them but at least having someone to reach out to and, and bounce ideas off yeah and, and but it's a combination for me it's it's there are times where you know this week i've just been on my own creating content you know creating finishing the the, the the online course off and stuff like that but yeah I, you know i think both but you definitely need to have a network mm. of people around you you've got to have other people 
that have the same mindset as you, as you um, yeah. around you to talk to talk to. And I'm not saying you need to drop all your other friends, but I try and spend as much time as I can with like-minded people, people who want to do more in the world. And because um, when you hang around with you know the average person, they want to go down the pub, drink beer, and talk about how shit the, the news is. You know, football. I mean, I love football, but I don't want to talk about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. You know. And, doesn't that doesn't really push me forwards so i try and spend as much time as i can around the right people and if you can get in the same room as the right people even better i was going to say at least these days you know there's always the positives and negatives of the digital age as it were but you know you and i would never have been able to sit down and have this conversation if we weren't on zoom uh, stuff absolutely yeah. and like i say nothing can replicate the that's why our whole man academy dinners were good and events because you got the guys in yeah. the room well, the next one's in Barcelona, right? So yes, that's why I, I put it on my uh, on my whiteboard, and uh, I told my partner. Obviously, it's definitely men only, and I can only fly over. <laughs> um, but this is one of the things. Again, looking around for other men that, and it doesn't have to be other men, but seeing we the whole man academy men talk about men stuff is. And you said the um, the name Justin Welsh. Um, now, our e letter this morning that went out is about him, although I haven't because this will go out after. But I, I talk about the fact that I got some unsolicited feedback the other day about a term I used. And I was told, oh, that wouldn't be well received by certain people. And the thing was, those people aren't the people I'm trying to appeal to. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to attract. So I shared where he said, promote yourself online every single day, your work brand opinions, how you think. People will either love you, customers hate you, care, who cares, join you, network, follow you, students, or ignore you already. And I was like, I think that in life, not just on a LinkedIn or whether you've got a business, yeah. is, is really important as well. But at what point yeah. did you first kind of see Justin Welsh's stuff? And I'll, I'll drop in just quickly. The funny thing is, you and I mentioned him the other day when we spoke. I had screenshot that tweet, I think it was, without knowing who this guy was. I just didn't even know. And when you told me about him, I was like, this is the tweet that I printed out. So I just wonder oh, well. where it started with you. Um, so you mean we, where Justin Welsh... Start yeah, like at what point did you start reading his uh, like content? Actually, I when I created this, that my my high ticket program for linked coach uh, early this year, I was doing a lot of research. And, you know, I actually paid for other people's courses and programs. Spent a lot of money on researching it and just figuring out the best way to. Not not that I need to learn more, but that, that I just wanted to make sure it delivered in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the people in my uh, high ticket program put me onto Justin Welsh and said, "Hey, take a look at this." So I bought his his course, uh, the LinkedIn operating system, and just realised, wow, this is so simple and so you know, and what he's doing is so simple. And then I started looking at his content, like this is so impactful, you know, and uh, and it opened my eyes to, and also I knew, knew that. Um, up until then, quite honestly, my weak point was content. Yeah, you know, from, so to be to be successful on LinkedIn, you know, there's three pillars. There's your your profile's got to be set up in the right way so it pulls people in. Uh, you need to know how to grow your network and connect with people in the right way, but also you need content, valuable content. And I was putting content out there, and yeah, it was valuable, but it was such an onerous thing, you know. Yeah. It was taking so long for me to create this content. I would literally yeah, like screen like oh, one one post would take me hours and hours and hours, you know. And I was posting, trying to post twice a week, and just 
you know, procrastinating on it, trying to come up <laughs> with content at the last minute. It's like, oh, yeah, it was, it was painful. And then I I realized there's another way. There's a there's a better way. Uh, and I and I learned that from Justin, and it's transformed how I how not necessarily the content itself, but how I produce it and how efficient it is now. Uh, so yeah, but I've only been following just Justin myself for for about six months. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's um, it's rare that I. How can I always try and find? I'm mean, again like yourself. I would read your posts, and I was like, right, I need to like, I'll look at everything. And I think I said to you, I was screenshotting your stuff and putting it in a folder because otherwise it just goes. And sometimes yeah. like, I need basic, simple reminders of. And you, you know, you've helped me think about my banner, which was shite to start with. It's getting better slowly. Um, but I always say to guys, even if. So here's what I did about a week ago: is I said, do you know what? I needed to focus more on LinkedIn. And I am doing that, you know, like as a plan now, as opposed to just, oh, I'll post some bits on it. But one of the things I realized was like, I needed to unsubscribe to loads of stuff that I was, you know, like yeah. after this, I would open my email and there'll be stuff from Brian Tracy, stuff from Tony Robbins, stuff. And I never look at any of it, but it just clogs up my brain. So I was like, right, I unsubscribed about 30 different things. Uh, I've subscribed to your e-letter. And I'm like, if I just focus on, let's say your stuff, Justin stuff, what have you, it will help me reach more men through LinkedIn. Yeah than me dicking around with all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly, you know, I, I, I was the same at, at first, you know, I would follow, oh, he looks good, I'm gonna follow him, she looks good. And I'd end up following, you know, I have all these bloody emails in my inbox and just not able to read them all. And, and it's like, uh, where do I start? So yeah. now I just decide, okay, what am I trying to achieve right now? And who can who can help me get there? And if, if they're not, if someone's not on that, doesn't fit that criteria, I lovingly unsubscribe because it just clutters up my inbox. Or well, sometimes I will, I'll set up a tag, you know, in my Gmail inbox and, uh, you know, store them in a place where if I want to, I can go and read their stuff one day. But not many people make it to my actual inbox these days. And it's generally just the people who are going to get me to the next, you know, yeah. the next stage yeah. where I'm going to go. That so yeah, I'm, I'm the same it reminds me that I'm doing the right thing by that because yeah sometimes you're like you know I, I don't mind if people unsubscribe to my I, I'd rather a guy unsubscribe to my content and go off and go after what he wants 100% than add it yeah. to the things that doesn't really get read yeah. um, and I never understood about email open rates so yeah we have a average rate of about 50% of that's email. really good and again I would be like why isn't everybody reading it and then the guys <laughs> with me like no be that's okay you know that's and yeah. now if I get one that's like 45%, I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Is it this or that or something? But you realize that you're like, it just shows you can put amazing content out and basically at least half the people just won't even read it anyway or won't even open yeah. it. Yeah, well, the industry standard of any marketing or newsletter type email is 20% open rate. Oh, really? Okay. That's the industry standard. So if you're getting 50, I'm... I'm getting 50 as well in linked coach, but not in high performing coach because we're way more commercial and a lot more marketing messages, yeah. but we're getting, I think we're getting about 32% in high performing coach, but I'm getting 50 plus, so, but that they're really high open rates for, yeah. for the industry. So, so don't so, beat yourself up. Just remember that you are two and a half times above the average. Especially if I've been making up as I go along, but well, that's yeah. why um, if you're, I know it's 11 o'clock. Are you good for another five, 10 minutes or, uh, I actually have another call. 
starting now. So that's all uh, right. I was going to say, I sense we'll have another um, we'll have another podcast at some point, hopefully. Um, yeah, uh, my last great. question was just about like kind of getting a network of guys around you. Um, but I mean, it's it's great for guys to uh, be able to listen to what you said about LinkedIn because I just think a lot of people won't realise either that the importance of being on it or what you you know what's possible on it. To be honest, yeah. Uh, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll we'll kind of be sharing some more of your content through the whole Man Academy e-letter and stuff like that. That would be awesome. And just to leave you with a Jim, Jim Rohn uh, phrase, your network is your net worth. So the more, you know, the more good people you surround yourself with, the the more your worth is going to increase. That's how I always look at it. And LinkedIn is perfect for doing that. Something good to remember. We're also going to be sharing the link to your uh, your course as well. Just in case guys want to uh, optimize their LinkedIn, which uh, could lead to a you know bigger bigger money tree as much as anything else. Um, right. I, I absolutely appreciate your time. I'll continue to read your content, and hopefully you've uh, you've enjoyed your hour of chatting to me as well. Yeah, it's been great. It's been fun. Uh, so yeah, thanks for inviting me on, and uh, let's yeah let's do something else uh, another time. It'd be great. Sounds like fun. Lovely. Right, I will let you go. I'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye, mate. Bye. -bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to sign up to our game-changing weekly e-letter that's read by men around the world. Sign up at wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement. Until next time.